Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Rob Greco has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Rob, will ya? Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, January 8th, 2019 in Las Vegas Convention Center at CES 2019. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Sarah Lane. Very happy to have some guests with us today from Tech Thing, Patrick Norton. Hey, everybody. And uh, also joining us, and I don't want to get the name of your, your business wrong, so I'll let you say it, Paul Spain. From the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> You'd think that with a sh- show that is almost as descriptive as Daily Tech News Show, I wouldn't forget that, but I was just scared that I was going to say it wrong. Well, I do uh, wear a few hats. That's true. That's true. Uh, thank you both for, for joining us and, and taking time out of your valuable CES day, where minutes are very scarce to join us. Folks, if you're listening and you hear a lot of noise in the background, that's because CES has actually begun. Yesterday, it was forklift noise. Today, it's the noise of booths playing music and demonstrating speakers and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but we are breaking Saving the waters here to bring you the important things to know about CES. IBM was awarded the most patents last year, though patents granted declined 3.5%. Panasonic announced the world's most cinematic OLED TV, in their words. And Sony showed off a karaoke speaker with cup holders. Here are a few other tech things you should know. At the end of trading on Monday, Amazon passed Microsoft to become the most valuable company in the world. Congratulations, Jeff. Microsoft, which took over the title on November 28th, was up 0.1%, but Amazon rose 3.4% to take the lead. You can expect companies to continue to trade places at the top all year long. Verizon issued a press release criticizing AT&T's practice of labeling advanced LTE functions as 5GE on customers' phone. Verizon said... We won't take an old phone and just change the software to turn the 4 into a 5. T-Mobile also criticized AT&T for duping customers. Now, Verizon has its own non-standard 5G service, so has taken some criticism themselves. And T-Mobile labels its 3G HSPA Plus service as 4G to this very day. However, Verizon's feeling pretty good about itself because it beat estimates for monthly subscribers, adding a net 650,000 in Q4, ahead of expectations of 355,600. 
Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced via a blog post his New Year's resolution is to host a bunch of public discussions about the future of technology in society. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was the outside voice. I think he was serious. But, hmm. Previous resolutions from Zuck included learning Mandarin, uh, killing any meat that he eats, oh, and fixing Facebook. A 20-year-old man in Hesse, Germany, has confessed to publishing the private information of around 1,000 politicians, journalists, and celebrities on Twitter. He says he acted alone, teaching himself skills online. The information seems to have been acquired over the course of 2018 by exploiting vulnerabilities to gain access to accounts. Uh, we don't know any details whether it was phishing or, or vo- exploitations or what, uh, but it was combined with some public information to create the links. IBM unveiled the IBM Q System 1, a 20-qubit quantum computer with improved stability, meaning that resets used to take days now take hours. IBM didn't announce sales of the device, what what will be available for use during in-the-cloud. Companies and research institutes interested in exploring experimental programming on IBM's quantum computers can join the IBM Q network research community being launched in partnership with Fermilab, ExxonMobil, and CERN. All right, let's talk a little bit about Intel's announcements yesterday. I'm going to work through these, and then we'll get uh, Patrick and Paul's takes on it. Intel demonstrated its first 10 nanometer chips for PCs based on the Sunny Cove architecture with Thunderbolt 3, Wi-Fi 6, and Deep Learning Boost, or DL Boost. Intel says PC makers will have devices with Ice Lake processors on the shelves by the end of 2019. It's been a couple of years since they said 10 nanometer was coming. They promise it's really coming this year. Intel also discussed its plans to use Foveros 3D chip stacking to stack chiplets on top of one another for extra processing power and graphics. We talked about that previously on the show. Intel also announced six new ninth gen chips covering the Core i3 to Core i9 categories shipping later this month and also said it would bring its ninth gen processor to laptops in the H series coming sometime in Q2. Intel announced a partnership with Comcast for 10 gigabit per second service. That's 10 gigabit per second service and Wi-Fi 6 connectivity as an alternative to 5G using Intel's Puma system on a chip. That's the one that's been hacked in the past. Comcast expects its first 10 gig service to arrive in 2020, but that doesn't mean Intel isn't into 5G. Oh no, Project Athena is Intel's push to get companies to make Ultrabooks with 5G and AI built in using Intel specs, though Intel isn't sharing those specs publicly. A roadmap is being shared with manufacturers, Acer, Asus, Dell, Google, HP, Intellux, Lenovo, Microsoft, Samsung, and Sharp are all working on Project Athena, uh, and it includes Chrome OS and Windows. And finally, Intel is working with Facebook on an AI chip during the second half of the year to go up against AI chips from NVIDIA and Amazon Web Services. The chip's designed to help with inference, uh, which puts AI algorithms to use. And Intel has done inference chips a lot. In fact, they're the predominant market share in inference chips right now. So it's just making a new one with Facebook. All right, lots of chip news there. Uh, Patrick, anything that sticks out to you or impressed you? You know, the the thing that stuck out was like a a Core i5 with six cores, um, which means it's going to be a medium-priced system from Intel with hopefully some excellent performance, which made me think... They mentioned processors at CES at the beginning. <laughs> it's like they care about people who buy computers again. Um, which actually, I'm, 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 I'm mocking, but I'm actually dead serious. Because the day before, uh, AMD announces all these particularly impressive mobile Ryzen parts running at 7 nanometer. Uh, Intel kind of lost its way on process. They're struggling both in terms of, of sort of like repairing their relationship. I mean, and they make money hand over fist without having the advanced processes. They're not processes. hurting yet. No. They're not hurting yet. But 
I am really curious to see if they can pull this off. I'm really curious to see where the parts end up. I'm really curious to see if they have as big a chunk of 5G base stations as they say. They're talking about 40% share by 2020. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of classic, forward-looking, enthusiastic Dell, Dell Intel stuff. Um, and uh, I, I was just so excited they actually talked about processors like they were an important part of the business instead of being like, we're going to change the world with automated drone guidance software. And this is our launch partner. And this is the only company that worked with it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just, like Project Athena is a little bit in that tradition. I think of Project somewhat. Athena being, I mean, it's funny because I was in, I was like, in the thing and you you know that was more information than I got out of their presentation like I, I, I a lot of one person can, one of the people I said like they were like I was looking backstage or I was looking on the stage and it looked like they had sort of a dual screen device that's using non-verbal input and I'm like okay that's interesting yeah yeah you know but it's they 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 talked this much about Project Athena, and then they moved on. Yeah. Like, it's going to change the way you compute. And I'm like, oh, I remember when this was going to change the way we compute, <laughs> Intel. Well, there you go. Did anything from Intel stick out to you, Paul? Uh, the Wi-Fi 6. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, to me, that's really important that Intel gets behind that. Otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all waiting, even though we've got, you know, people bringing out various bits and pieces until Intel are really in boots and all. Yeah. Uh, then we're not going to see that yeah. the Wi-Fi 6, which is what it used to be uh, 802.11ax, I think. Uh, yeah. Wi-Fi 6 is probably a, a better name. <laughs> it's a little easier to say, for sure. Uh, also, by the way, uh, Nick wrote in and, and said that he wished we had talked more about NVIDIA announcing support for AMD FreeSync. Uh, Visa Adaptive Sync Monitors. Have you heard a lot of people talking about that? Uh, that is the first I've heard anyone talking about it. Yeah, I will that's know. what Nick was mad about. He's like, nobody's talking about <laughs> well, this. Why it, is it, anyone talking about You know, it? it was... I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say, I mean, it basically... FreeSync is open source and basically does what G-Sync does. Don't hate mail me. I know it's not quite the same thing. But if they're supporting FreeSync monitors, it means there's less expensive monitors that will do some pretty impressive, uh, you know, frame rates. I, I like it. Yeah. Uh, Dave wrote in about the LG rollable OLED TV saying the perfect thing to have it unroll in front of is a window. (laughs) Darkening the room, eliminate the glare, and when you roll it down, you have your view. Uh, Patrick, I know you have some thoughts about the OLED TV, too. Everybody's trying to figure out what they'll do with it, I think. Uh, You know, I literally, all I care about is is I saw that, and it's like, I feel like it's the first time in forever I've seen that kind of a demo at CES and just been like, yes, I feel like I'm 16 and just saw my first CD player. That's so cool. Um, (laughs) And I I just want to see it, like, I've, I've... I've been tr- working my way towards the LG booth all morning because I want to see a demo or see it, and I don't want it to suck. And right now I'm on this high of being like, that's really neat tech, and I'm enthusiastic. Yeah, like my cynic hasn't beaten my inner enthusiastic child to death yet. I'm trying to hold on to that for a Do little Do you think bit. it wins best of CES? It feels like the thing everybody's talking about at this point. Anyway. <laughs> I, the thing that struck me is like Samsung's like, we have a 98-inch QLED panel <laughs> that nearly presents the quality of OLED. You're, um, stealing, and, you're stealing Sarah's And thunder. LG's like, look. And everybody's like, yeah! So that's... Well, we talked a little bit about, uh, especially people who move around a lot or live in smaller mm-hmm. houses uh, with perhaps smaller living rooms. Oh, you know, it gives you a little bit more room to play around with with a space that could be 
your your media center, but also mm-hmm. other things. But Dave's note about the window, I hadn't even really thought about. And that's so true. How many times have you walked into a room and been like, but, but where would the TV go? You can't right. put it in front of the window. That's weird. But when you have something like this, you have a lot more options. You could. And it's just, it, there's so many rooms you walk into. And the big black screen that's not displaying anything dominates the room. Right. Just, yeah. It just, it, they're, they're horrendous designer. It's just, it's a really neat idea. As long as it works and doesn't disintegrate. You know, after a hundred rollings and unrollings, you have that look like, yes, I want to see the lifespan. <laughs> I, and and I want to know when it's going to be affordable so that we can all have one, right? Because, you know, when, when we see these things, yes, they start really expensive, uh, but most of the cool stuff eventually gets to a yeah. price point where we can afford it. But how long will it take? Well, on the subject of Samsung, uh, Samsung also announced a few laptops, such as the 13-inch Notebook 9 Pro, has thin bezels, shallow keys, and an aluminum case, quad-core 8th gen Intel Core i7, 8565U processor, 256 gigs of PCIe NVMe SSD storage, 27 Thunderbolt 2, rather, <laughs> not 27, that wow, would be crazy, be yeah. two Thunderbolt 3 USB-C ports, a regular USB-C port as well, headphone jack, micro SD card slots to round it out. Pretty cool machine. A Windows Hello fingerprint reader is built into the power button. 1080p touchscreen, 2-in-1, so you can use it as a tablet as well. Samsung says it should arrive in early 2019, though we didn't get a price yet. The company also announced the $350 notebook flash with Celeron and Pentium processors, 4 gigs of RAM, round keys, and full Windows Home, aimed at students, and arrives on January 15th. Go Chromebooks. 350 it's <laughs> a nice price. For you seem to be oohing and eyeing at the Notebook Nine Pro, huh? Anybody? No. no. I, I just, was. It was. It was I, I like the Windows Hello fingerprint readers. Yeah, um, they're they're just nice, and it's, it's a nice looking notebook. Actually, yeah, Samsung. I, th- I think that's the story here. Is not the specs so much. It's that Samsung making some competitive notebooks, you know? and, and aesthetically appealing ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Bell Nexus gave CES folks an update on its vertical takeoff and landing, or VTOL, air taxi. The company showed off a scale model of its hybrid electric propulsion aircraft that uses six tilting ducted fans to seat five people. It will be supposedly available for hailing in some cities through Uber's service by the mid-2020s, though it'll have to be all electric by that point because Uber requires all electric, not the hybrid. So, hmm, they're up to something there. Uber and Bell Nexus are among 19 companies developing flying car plans. You got to see this a little bit, Paul. Yeah, I went to the uh, the press event and uh, you know spoke to a, a few of the chaps there. Um, this is pretty interesting, but yeah, I am curious why they're uh, why they're going for this hybrid electric approach. And I guess that's because they're traditionally you know come from that helicopter background. Uh, so you know, getting into electric, uh, maybe that's going to um, take them a little bit longer to be fully electric. I think they're also hedging some, their bets in case some, the taxi services don't pay off. They they can sell it to somebody who wants to use it for longer range. Maybe yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's still some challenges I think around the idea of the the electric air taxi and charging and swapping out batteries and whether there will actually be a you know a really big market for this stuff whether whether it will fly yeah will it fly i don't know uh and they've gone from just showing the cabin to showing a scale model maybe next year we see an actual prototype full maybe size maybe a scale model that flies or a scale model that flies that's probably more likely honestly. <laughs> i'm just thinking like the the power to weight mass battery ratio thing i feel is not quite there yet for this it looks like it would be really heavy. Looks like it would be a struggle to get it off the ground. But it looks good. 
Motive is adding security features to its heart rate sensing smart ring to let it make payments. You can do it all. The company also says it can read your heart's EKG accurately enough to verify your identity. A software update will bring the capability to Motive rings in the second half of this year. The company is also registered already as a FIDO device for two-factor authentication using gestures. Yeah, man, this is a this is a pivot. And it's not even a full pivot. It's saying, you know, we made this ring for 2FA, but you know what? We, we could do health. And you know what else? We could, we could use, use your heart rate to verify you for payments. Like, it's pretty nifty. Yes. Will it work? So we got fingerprints. We got retinas. Now we have heart flutters. Just tap. <laughs> tap with your ring to pay. Everyone is a special snowflake. You could fist bump to pay. You are a special snowflake. <laughs> I like so it. I want one. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, I, I've always been curious about this as a two-factor uh, thing, but the gestures thing felt a little odd to yeah. me. Uh fist bump to pay, though? I'm in. <laughs> IBM's The Weather Company, which I always want to tell people, The Weather Company runs the Weather Channel app. The Weather Channel television network licenses the name and everything to do The Weather Channel, but it's owned by a separate company. So even though they're both called The Weather Channel and they have the same logo, two different companies, IBM owns The Weather Company, which makes The Weather Channel app, and that combination announced the Global High Resolution Atmospheric Forecasting System, or GRAF, to Whoa. combine data from weather stations, aircraft sensors, and app users' smartphone pressure sensors, the barometric pressure sensors in your phone, oh, wow. in order to create more accurate forecasts. IBM says Graph will offer three-kilometer resolution in some places, once this is up and running, and update forecasts hourly. Users of the app will have to opt in. This is important, especially because the Weather Channel is being sued by the city of Los Angeles for privacy uh, violations. You have to opt in to contribute your barometric pressure readings to the system. Graph will roll out globally later this year. This looks cool. I like it. Uh, I do wonder about the opting in, whether they're going to get enough people to opt in. I think maybe they have to tempt you with some, I don't know, premium I'm sure they'll subscription you, right? or something. I don't or know. The weather nerds like me uh, will probably just want to do this. You just turn it on. Yeah. 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 Fair point. I need I dark skies on the front of my, my phone. So anything that helps make that more accurate, I'm down with. So. Yeah. Barometric pressure from everyone. All right, let's talk about financial disaster, shall we? Sure. Because it's not just Apple. Yeah, other tech companies are also facing some headwinds, like LG, which announced its Q4 profit likely fell 80% year over year, and revenue likely (laughs) fell 7%. Thinning profit margins and declining smartphone businesses are among the likely causes. Now, Samsung also announced an estimated 29% drop in quarterly profit for the last quarter of 2018, issued commentary along with guidance for the first time since mobile phone sales dropped in 2014. Samsung blamed unexpected weak demand from data center customers for chips. Data centers, mostly in the U.S., make almost 30% of demand for Samsung's DRAM chips. Prices for DRAM chips fell 10% in Q4. Mm. The company also blamed a, quote, stagnant and fiercely competitive smartphone market. Mm. And then contributing to all of this is the worldwide decline in smartphone shipments, particularly a slowing market in China. China's Academy of Information and Communications Technology says that smartphone shipments in the country were down 15.5%. Canalys estimates that shipments fell 12% in China and expects them to drop below 400 million in 2019 for the first time since a few years ago. Yeah. um, I... So, I mean, this is a knock-on effect, too. When Samsung says that their DRAM chips 
prices fell. Part of that has to do with data centers, not related to phones, but also they're not making as much money selling chips to phone makers. Right. Right. So uh, that is contributing to it. Uh, this this decline in the Chinese market is is going to have a knock on effect to a lot of companies, especially the companies that aren't growing. I mean, it's, it's certainly going to hurt Huawei because Huawei sells the majority of its phones in China, but it has such a big market share there, it can weather storm a little more. Whereas Samsung and Apple were already declining because of competition, and then you add a slowing market on top of it, that really hurts them. The, the other thing is in China, I, you know, I think we'll see people uh, gravitating towards the Chinese brands now, right? They're making, Maybe a little they're, bit. They're, yeah. making, they're making good devices now. They're competitive. Uh, so, you know, if you've got a choice between a local and an and a international brand phone uh, and the, lo- the local one seems just as good or better, um, what are you going to choose? Even though they're all technically local, since almost all of them are made in, in, in a Chinese factory. But, yeah, I mean, the perception is the brand is right. it's, a, it's a domestic company. All right, let's talk a little bit about some stuff that we saw at CES. A production model of Royal's foldable tablet is on display here. The Flex Pi, it's P-A-I, not P-I-E, folds from a 7.8-inch inch AMOLED tablet into a thick smartphone form. Uh, runs on a Snapdragon 855 chipset with either 6 or 8 gigabytes of RAM, 128 or 256 gigabytes of storage, and Android 9.0 Pi. Uh, the Royal was debuted in Beijing in October and has been on sale for around $1,300 there since. This is its first uh, Western Hemisphere debut. You got uh, we, we Sarah and I got to see it. You got to see it too, Paul. Yeah. Um, a lot of oohing and eyeing, but it was also sort of odd. It's an unusual you know, it form does fold. factor, isn't it? It does fold, but I mean, when are you ever going to fold uh, it, it inwards, where the, the display itself has folded around and the back a, of the device? It does a little bit of modifying the interface when you fold it, but not enough to really look like a phone to me. That, that was the other Here, thing. Yeah. I yeah, I, I wonder whether, you know, maybe this is the sort of device for people who are really short-sighted, they need everything really large. I, I'm not sure there's a mainstream application for it. Yes, I was able to fold it in half, squeeze it into my big, uh, you know, pockets, but I, I, I can't imagine it being sort of an everyday phone, and you're going to have some challenges around battery life with a screen that's that big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's got this about a 4,200 milliamp-hour battery, uh, which is fine for a normal phone, but I, oh, I don't think you're going to get old. You yeah. know. <laughs> Up to several hours of life while using as a tablet. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but it's also, there's, I mean, it's CES, and admittedly this came up before CES, but there's always so many products you look at and say, like, someone had an idea. And they made it happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Royal could become perfectly successful selling this display to other other manufacturers, too. Yes. It may not be the end product maker, but they need to dis- display it to get those other manufacturers to see, like, oh, yeah, that's a real working thing. And they had a lot of other things on their stand that were all, you know, bent, curvy, flexy mm-hmm. display things. So I guess this is their space. They're, they're certainly getting some publicity off the back of it. Well, there's a lot to see at CES. We're going to talk about a few more things, but Patrick Norton's got to go see some of those things now. So, Patrick, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to go learn about Wi-Fi 6, which I was curious to see if it would actually be Wi-Fi 6 or 802.11x, but see, people are hedging their bets by using both in every press release. 802.11ax <laughs> Wi-Fi 6. Yeah. Uh, tech Thing, folks, go check out Tech Thing. Please do. Uh, T-E-K-T-H-I-N-G dot com or YouTube.com slash Tech Thing. Or uh, Robert Heron and I host AV Excel, which is a home theater and audio podcast. And you guys are awesome. And thank you so much, Grant. Thanks, You're Patrick. awesome, too, you special snowflake. See you, Patrick. <laughs> All right. What else did we see, Sarah? I know, oh. I know there was some cool stuff you saw yesterday. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The digital experience. Yeah, the- yeah, which is, which is, uh, there was, there was actually, it was a good show there last night, but a couple things stuck out to me. Uh, of course, I have pets, so any pet technology is, is, is in my wheelhouse, PetCube was one of a few companies that had that had uh, some cool pet stuff on display. PetCube debuted the Bytes 2 and Play 2 pet dispenser speaker combos, two different models, both powered with Amazon's voice assistant now. It didn't used to be that way. So I could remotely say, hey, A, tell PetCube to feed Otis. It also has support for other Amazon skills like playing music and controlling lights, etc. Both of the devices have an expanded 180-degree angle, angle lens. It used to be 130, I believe, to view a room has four mics, offers real-time smart alerts for things like if Otis is going nuts barking and I might want to, you know, ask my neighbor if any, everything's okay. The Bytes 2 costs $249. The Play 2 is running $199. Uh, in the security camera arena, Motorola also showed off Halo, which is a baby monitor that attaches to a Cotter crib for an overhead 1080p view of your baby with IR night vision up to 10 meters, two-way audio that senses motion, or maybe if your baby's crying, or your cat, I don't know, whatever, anything that can fit in a crib. The Halo can also project moving images onto the ceiling, play lullabies, and other recordings such as maybe you singing a lullaby. If, you know, you're already on the other side of the house and you think, you know what, all they really want is to hear my voice. I don't have to get up and do that. I don't have a baby, but that seems pretty convenient to me. This goes for $249 or $299 that includes a baby monitor screen as well. Roger, I, I know you talked extensively to those folks, uh, and you have two, well, you have a an actual baby and a, and a young daughter as well. So, 
Roger also talked to the folks from OLEDCOM about Li-Fi Max, which mounts on your ceiling and uses invisible light from an LED to deliver up to 100 megabits per second connectivity over 28 square meters, or up to 28 square meters. It's an upgrade from its lamp. We talked about it last year. The lamp would deliver 23 megabits per second, uh, but only where the lamp shine. This one, being on ceiling, can reach a lot more places in your room. And it's pricey. It costs $900 for the transmitter and one dongle. If you want to attach uh, dongles to other devices, you're going to have to order more of those separately. It's available for pre-order now, shipping in September. Roger, any other thoughts on, on that? So, in other words, people in glass houses shouldn't use this. Uh, before we, we have a bunch of other stuff we're going to summarize just to keep you up to date on, on some of the cooler things we, we've been seeing. Uh, but before we get to that, anything else? Any thoughts on any of this stuff that we've been talking about, Paul? Uh, no, there was one, one thing I saw, and I'm trying to remember the, uh, the, the brand name of it. Um, it was over, over in uh, South Hall that was uh, basically appeared to create an image in, uh, in plain space in the air. Oh yes, and ho- ho- hollow vision maybe. Yeah, that might be it. And I saw that too. Basically, it, it, it's, it's a propeller. It's a propeller that has speed, LEDs yeah. on it, but you don't see the propeller moving. You see the lights. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's brand new, but it looked really cool. Uh, it's about two two thousand uh, US dollars. Yeah. Uh, they had an array of seventy seven of them lined up for a really big impressive. floating yeah. floating image, which was was slick. All right, let's get to some other CES stuff you should know. Yubico announced a new version of its second factor authentication key that supports Apple's Lightning Connector and USB-C. Apps already support USB, but a new code will be needed for apps to support Lightning. Yubico is also adding an NFC-enabled version of its USB key as well. Previously, those were only available as separate devices. Now they're integrated. The new key should come out after a private preview sometime this year. Dell's new XPS 13 laptop has moved the camera. 
It used to be down at the bottom. So whenever someone was on an XPS 13, you saw up their nose when you're on a video conference. Now it's up at the top, Good where Dell. most other laptops put it. Uh, it's also Dell's smallest camera yet at 2.2 millimeters, meaning that the bezel stays thin. NVIDIA announced Drive Autopilot platform to bring level 2 plus autonomous driving to systems from German automotive suppliers Continental AG and ZF Friedrichshafen starting next year. My Swiss cousins are rolling their eyes right now. ZF is also offering the option to use a chip from Zillinix instead of NVIDIA. The level 2 vehicles would do things like highway merge, lane change, lane splits, personal mapping, and so on. Drive Autopilot is part of the NVIDIA Drive platform. Uh, Lenovo announced the Yoga A940 27-inch all-in-one PC with a hinge that adjusts similar to the Microsoft Surface Studio. Uh, it also has a stylus and, and a dial. Uh, you can get it in QHD or 4K resolution, both of which support Dolby Vision HDR, and tilt to a 25-degree drafting mode. has an 8th-gen Intel Core i7 processor, Radeon RX 560 discrete GPU, up to 32 gigabytes of RAM, and either a 512 gigabyte PCIe SSD or a 2 terabyte hard drive. Coming in March starting at 2350 bucks, so it's about $1,000 cheaper than the Surface Studio. Lenovo also introduced an alarm clock with Google Assistant inside that can charge devices over USB and play music, and that's 80 bucks coming up in the spring. Here's a roundup of Google announcements at CES, of which there were many. First and foremost, for me, Google promises for really real really this time google assistant is coming to sonos speakers with the sonos one and sonos beam first in line it says it'll roll out to all sonos speakers eventually which is great news for anybody who's already got that system in their house it's also coming to the instant pot yes you heard it right <laughs> dishes hopper set top boxes as well in our car devices from jbl and anchor Google Assistant got some new features, too. These are really cool, including the ability to check you into flights via your voice, book hotels, translate 27 different languages, among more. Finally, Google Connect is a new lightweight platform that developers can use to connect devices to Google Home without having to build internet connectivity into the device itself. For instance, an e-ink screen that could show you your calendar or the weather just by talking to the Google Home. Uh, coming to Maps as well, which is pretty cool. HTC showed off the Vive Cosmos that has cameras that don't require external tracking equipment. It can be powered by PC, laptop, or the thing that made it newsworthy, possibly by a phone at some point in the future. No price on this, but it's expected to launch later this year. It features a flip-up screen. That was the other cool thing about it, so you can see the world without having to actually take the headset all the way off. HTC also showed a new version of the Vive Pro with eye tracking called the Vive Pro Eye. That one's coming in April. And HTC announced Vive Port Infinity, an upgrade to the subscription service that'll give you access to 500 titles. Previously, the subscription only gave you five games a month, so a lot more games. The new service launches April 5th, but we don't know how much it'll cost yet. And finally, HTC is working with Mozilla on a browser optimized for VR. Sony's got new TVs, too. The company announced an 8K LCD TV and a 4K OLED TV as part of its Master Series. The Z9G 8K comes in 85 and 98-inch models. 98 inches. And the A9G runs uh, 55, 65, and 77-inch models. Sony says its 8K TVs have an algorithm to provide, quote, exceptional detail and contrast for a more realistic picture that represents the creator's intent. It also claims to have a proprietary algorithm for upscaling 4K content, to 8K. Both models offer Netflix calibrated mode, IMAX enhanced, and Dolby Vision Atmos that run Android TV. And also both these models and the X9 5 
50G series will support Apple's AirPlay and HomeKit as well. No pricing, though. No ship dates just yet. There is so much going on at CES. I hope we've given you a good representative cross-section of that. We'll continue to do it tomorrow as well. But there's lots of places to talk about what we're talking about, too. There sure are. Yeah, we we try to catch everything, but, but we need your help participate in our subreddit if you're so inclined you can submit stories you can also up or downvote other stories at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com if you like to hang out on facebook well good we have a group there facebook.com slash groups slash daily tech news show and finally before we're out of here we should check the mailbag let's do it andy in montreal said in response to uh the zuvix debate musics i think he i think he misspelled that oh yeah sorry <laughs> musics that's right debate of is it better on your face or your wrist And Andy says, obviously, you or your uh, original emailer, I believe it was Matt, don't live in the great white north because at minus 30 degrees plus wind chill, you don't pull up your sleeves to look at a watch and you are unable to see anything clearly on your fogged up glasses. So okay. we're going to have to figure out somewhere else to put this thing. Yeah, uh, it might not work in that particular situation. It's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> You got to try the glasses on. Yeah, yesterday. yeah. The the uh, the the music booth was at Digital Experience last night, and uh, because we had been talking about the idea of uh, you know our smart glasses finally ready for prime time, do they fit? Do they look good? We tried them on, and it was definitely cool. The display was easy to see. Uh, the navigation controls were easy to understand. It's pretty simple, but I, I could I could get around okay. They did feel chunky in a bad way though mm. they folded my ears down because they they were just a little you have aged. the famous ear issues with the airpods too yeah. well but the, the airpods don't do this you yeah, don't want your yeah. ears to look like dumbo when you're wearing glasses it's the reason you don't buy certain types of sunglasses they just don't fit your face well i i wouldn't i wouldn't personally wear these uh, they just weren't comfortable but i see that we're going in the right direction Yeah. All right. We're and uh, if you want to see Sarah wearing the glasses, uh, check out our Instagram, Instagram.com slash DTNS Picks. That's P I X, DTNS P I X. Yes, yes. Maybe, you know, they could be a little bit more flattering, but it, it, it was fun to try them on. Um, always fun to see where companies are going with this. Also, always fun to have Paul Spain with hey. us. Haven't seen you since CES last year. Uh, so, Paul, let folks know where they can keep up with all your free work. Uh, NZ Tech Podcast and PaulSpain.com, the new project I'm still working on, uh, Disruption Playbook, uh, is at DisruptionPlaybook.com, doing a few interviews uh, here over the next uh, next couple of days in, in regards to uh, innovation and disruption and how companies do it and pass and fail at it. Yeah, all right. Go check that out, folks. Uh, thanks again to Patrick Norton from techthing.com and avxcel.com. And huge thanks to the people who make it possible for us to be here. Uh, it's not free to get here and stay here, and it's because of you that we can do it. So thank you for supporting us on PayPal, uh, by buying merch at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store, by listening to the ads on the free feed, or the... 95% plus of our funding, which comes from patreon.com slash DTNS. Right now, uh, we're running a deal. It's a, a beta program with Patreon where they will send you merchandise if you stay a patron for three months. So as of January 2nd, everybody who's at a tier, the, the clock starts ticking. And if you join now, the clock starts ticking from the moment you join. If you stay at the co-executive producer and analyst level in three months, you'll get a five-year anniversary sticker with the art made by Lynn Peralta. If you stay at the advisor level for three months, you get a poster, same art from Len Peralta. And the master level folks get a mug. Uh, so all that is available at patreon.com slash DTNS slash merch if you want to find out more. 
you've got feedback for us, questions, comments, or the like, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. If you'd like to join us live, we are live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 21.30 UTC. And you can find out more. Tell a friend at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Robert Heron and Shannon Morse. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this moment. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.